crazy, amen, that when there's a group of believers and there's an expectancy in the heart of the people, amen, something radical, amen, that is God's spirit comes in and wants to change something in your life. Can I get it? Amen. Amen. I believe, amen, this topic, amen, that God gave me, amen, just for tonight, amen, is going to minister to somebody. Amen. If you'll put my topic up there, it's called the identity crisis. Who am I? I didn't put who are you? I put who am I? Because at the end of the day, saints, I know who I am. The question is, do you know who you are? So when you read it, it's not who are you pointing to somebody else. It's who am I? But it's the identity crisis. If you have your Bibles, amen, turn to John chapter 1, verses 40 through 43 through 46. If you don't have it, you can follow on the screen. You can use your phone. You can use the hard copy. I prefer the hard copy. But in the word of the Lord reads, the next day Jesus decided to go into Galilee and he found Philip and Jesus said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, and this is the key verse, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Father, we thank you, God, for tonight. We thank you, Father, for your sweet spirit. We're grateful for it, God. Father, we're expecting a miracle, God. We're expecting heaven to move earth to shake us, God. Father, as we prepare our hearts for your word, God, that you just saturate this place, saturate our hearts, expecting to receive you, God, to respect, to expect a breakthrough, Lord. Father, some, not just a regular word, God, not just a regular sermon, not just a regular teaching, God, but give us something, Father, that will change us, that will break chains, Father. Father, we honor you, we glorify you, and we praise your mighty name. In the name of Jesus and all the saints of God said, Amen. amen. It's good to be in the church, amen? amen? The identity crisis, amen? Who am I? Stephen Covey once said this, The true identity theft is not financial, it is not in the cyberspace. It's in the spiritual and it's been taken. Tonight, I want to talk to you about our identity, amen. See, there is a cultural movement when you can identify as whatever you feel like. Hello. We've got a cultural movement where you can identify as whatever you feel like. But when we look at the church, we see that the very identity of the church and believers are being altered by society. Hello. It got quiet now. It's getting, amen, as the church and believers, amen, society is altering our identity. Hello. See, when we look at the scriptures, this is a rare thing to see where Nathaniel, also known as Bartholomew in the other Gospels. See, this dude got an alias now, amen? We all thought we all had aliases, but this one had one. We look and we see Philip finding Nathaniel and saying, we found the Messiah. His name is Jesus. But watch closely what follows. But he's from Nazareth. It says, Jesus from Nazareth. And Philip's... And and Nathaniel's answer in verse 46 is surprising. We find this. Nathaniel said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. Why did Nathaniel say this? Why did he, why him being from Nazareth bother him? Because like many of us, Nazareth already had a reputation. 
Nazareth was already labeled. Nazareth, already by the world standards, was marked. So why then do people like us, why do people see us, or better yet, we see people and we're feeling like we've been judged? Or why do we feel like our identity now has to be proven in some way because of the label, because of our identity? Or are we just not good enough? And what happens is it sticks with us and we believe it through our lives. Come on now, y'all got to help me. Sometimes we get labeled. Sometimes in life, society tells us who we are. Hello, we grow up, and you had that one parent that says, I wish you would. You're the rebellious child. I got a paddle with your name on it. That's all parents. Amen? Not me. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, right. But amen, but why was Nazareth labeled? And why do we as, amen, believers feel like we always have to have this other identity? Why do we always feel like because of the background, because of where we started from, people see us as a certain way? Why is it that we have to make believe or we have to fill ourselves up with something that's not true about us? We try to put an alias on, amen. Nathaniel actually was called Bartholomew in the other gospels. Hello, you're talking about an alias, man. But what we don't understand is that sometimes we do the same thing around people. Instead of having the identity of Christ, sometimes we live by another alias just to survive in the world. We put on a mirage. We put on this fake status. Amen. And we think it's who we are, but really it's not intent. God didn't intend you to be like that. I'm not even in yet. Come on now. My gosh. So why did Nathaniel say this? Why did him being from Nazareth bother him? See, this is what's crazy. And the scripture says this in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, in the King James Version. It says, for as he thinking in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, said he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Hello. But I want us to focus on that first part. For as he thinketh in his heart, so he is. See, we are known as kind, mean, happy, sad, etc. And we are labeled with every single thing that was not tagged on the original masterpiece. But when it comes to God, we fluctuate, hello, between our identities. You could say we have an identity crisis. See, when everything is going good, right, is when everything is going right, we say, thank you, Jesus. When we get the job, the pay raise, the dream house, the good wife, a clean house, amen, the obedient kids for a day, we say, thank you, Jesus. But when everything goes against us, or what our, and what happens is our identity changes, it goes from thank you, Jesus, to I'm anxious, I'm afraid, and most importantly, this isn't God's will for me. Because it's not what I envisioned, God, it's not your will. Because it's costing me some comfort, or better yet, it's not my who I think I should be or what they tell me I am. I'm going to have to run over here and fake it till I make it. That ain't the solution. Don't fake it till you make it. You ain't surviving in the, you can't survive in God's kingdom when you're faking. Hello. That's what's on. See, I want you to understand tonight. It, the number one thing, the goal of the enemy is to attack your identity. Why? Because, I, because identity is everything. It's crucial to a person. We're all born with all given names, and each name has a meaning. So if you have kids on the way, 
Please, please, for your kids' sake, watch what you name them. Because they actually grow up to be fulfilled that name. For an example, my name, Anthony, means priceless or inestimable worth. See, every name is what you grow into. But if you can take the identity and change it, it means something else. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. Daniel chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. And the word of the Lord reads, Now among them from the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them. Hello. And to Daniel he assigned the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. Hello. Come on now. So why does Satan attack our identity? It's for this reason right here. What you believe in dictates what you live out. Hello. What you believe in dictates what you live out. See, so his goal is to change what you believe in yourself. To take away what God has marked for an appointed time and to use it for his gain and or minimize the effectiveness of that person. Hello. I, this is what's crucial. I want you to understand this, saints, is that Satan's not always going to attack your identity to knock you out. Sometimes he'll just make it to where you're minimized, to where you're not effective for the kingdom of God. All he needs is you not to fulfill your destiny. He's fine with you going halfway. Come on now, lights. That's what I'm talking about, making some people mad up the stairs. Come on now. Amen. But this is what's crazy. He's either going to, you, God marked you for an appointed time. Hello. Somebody say, I'm marked. But see, sometimes Satan wants to use this for his gain or minimize the effectiveness of you. The identity crisis is real, and it's in the church. It's in the believers. Hello. See, in Daniel's time, I want you to understand this. When you were captured, it was a common practice that the captors would give the captives new names to show ownership. Hello. You, you, have, you have two masters. You have, one ma you have only one master. You choose. There's two people. I'll get to that in a second. But see, Daniel the Belshazzar, see, his name went from male to a female name. His fo the focus of Daniel's name was on God. Stay with me for a second. And to see the other, Belshazzar meant this, is the focus was on man. Daniel's name meant all-powerful God. To Belshazzar means God or the king needs protection. This is, what, this is why your identity is crucial. Hananiah was gracious God. Shadrach was God to be feared, a tyrant. Hello. All he has to do is change your name and you, and you live out what your name is. You live out your identity. Hananiah was focused on God, but Shadrach was focused on the self. Michelle was your confidence. Meshach was cowardice. Azariah was a son of God, but Abednego was a slave of men. Hello. Yeah, you, you start figuring, when you start reading Daniel, man, some powerful stuff in Daniel. But names are crucial. Every name in the Bible has some meaning behind it. Like our own names, it's our identity. It's God's given name for you. Can I get an amen? amen. So you got to understand this. All the enemy wants to do is change your identity. 
All he has to do is just change part of your name and you have to live it out. Because you what? You start to believe it. And as he believes it, he thinks he is. Come on. So when we look at Nazareth, why was it labeled? Well, Nazareth had a synagogue and it was in Galilee region. See, Galilee was a Gentile infested. And so really, Nathaniel wasn't rejecting Jesus, the Messiah. He was really rejecting themselves because of who they were. Because of the region they were in, they labeled themselves and they thought, why would the Messiah be somewhere where the Gentiles are? Why wouldn't he be in Jerusalem? Why wouldn't he be in a holy city? Hello. You're going to see where yourself comes in the story. See, what good can come from Nazareth? He thought nothing can come from a people like this. He probably thought the Messiah would come from a religious city. This is how exactly the enemy works using labels to attack the identity of God and what he has in surprise in you. Hello. Sometimes we don't think we're not good enough. Or, man, or we come from an area where people start saying, hey, man, this guy's from Quinlan, Texas. Hey, this guy's from Ben Wheeler. This guy's from South Dallas. And we start, and everybody starts seeing that. And all of a sudden, you know, they're confused. They're like, you can't be a Christian if, you're, if you went to the drug addict's house. You can't be. You can't be. Hello, can I? Come on now. I need some of y'all to get excited. The enemy try to label you and try to define where you can go and not go. I need somebody to understand that God didn't label you that. Amen. And that's not his original masterpiece the name you were given by Satan is not the original masterpiece I need somebody to get excited in here you got to take the identity that God gave you and start walking in it come on now see church I'm here to tell you that the, the why people can't see the real person is you is because their identity has not yet been grounded in Christ the reason why people can't see the real you that Jesus can see is because they don't even know their own identity. They don't even know who they are. They don't know. They can't see it because they don't have it. I need you to understand the enemy uses the world to make you find an identity. He's going, the world's going to make, try to make you choose whether that be through a job, through kids, through wealth, through success, or even our outwear, or maybe even our own family. The enemy is going to use all tactics to get your identity to pick one. Hello, none of this is wrong, okay? The house, the family is not wrong if you know who your identity is in. But people in the churches today try to impress people or put on a show so they can get recognition but not meeting with the maker. People come to the church and they lift their hands and they're like, thank you, Jesus, looking all fly. But instead, they're more worried about the people than reading the maker. Sometimes I don't care what you think about me. If I need a breakthrough, I don't care what I look like. I'm going to get my breakthrough. I'm going to make sure that my identity is found in the one. I need you to understand. I don't care what. Look, if other if you're worried about other people, hello. If you're worried about other people, you might not know God. Because God never looked at you and said, hey, you're not good enough. Just because of the shoes you're wearing, just because of how you walked in here jacked up, don't mean that's how you're going to leave. You're going to leave out of here straight. You're going to leave out of here with joy. You're going to leave out of here with peace. Everything you wanted, I'm giving you. Come on. But people in the church, we try to make it to where we try to impress instead of honor. Hello. We try to impress. Oh, look at me. Put this on the Snapchat. Put this on Facebook. Come on now. Yes. Everybody smile. Ha. 
But instead, we don't give the honor where God is due. Sometimes God would rather take a broken cry and say, God, I need you. God, I'm sorry. God, I'm tired. That's what God wants. He don't want no impression. He's like, I'm tired of you faking. I'm tired of you trying to do all this. I need you to be real. Be the one who I created to be. See, church is a society and culture shifts. See, see, church, as society and culture shifts happen, your identity in Christ shouldn't. Come on now. Everything in the world can shift. They can say what's wrong is right. But my identity is not found in the culture. It's not found in society. It's found in the true God. That's where your identity should be. It should be in the true God. No matter what matter culture says, no matter what they say is legal and not legal. Man, if you tell me, if it goes against the word of God, I know it's wrong. Because my identity is not found in man, it's found in God. See, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, it reads like this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Come on now. See, God had a masterpiece in you. He knew who you were, and he even said, I consecrated you. I hand-selected you. But see, people are giving up areas in their lives that seem foolish to them that would be God, that would, God would be hard in the situation. See, people are running away from God in areas that seem foolish to them. They're giving up on God, saying, you know what? It seems foolish for God to even... Take a second to be in that situation. It's, it's not worth it, God. Hello. Sometimes we feel like that, saints. There's some areas in our lives that are deep in our deepest, darkest parts. We just sit there and we're like, it's not, I don't want you to see it. And so we run away and we put it in the closet and we shove God up and be like, yeah, come, you can get all this other stuff. Let me just shove you over here so you don't come over there. Here's the problem with the church. That is just about religion. Thank God we ain't a religious church. See, the church feels like we should keep the faith private between four walls. And a church, attend church once or twice a week. See, the world has no problem telling you what they think is the truth. Hello. But the church becomes shamed into silence, so embarrassed by the faith, that they become apologetic and start to, in a way, reject the power of Christ and even Jesus himself. Hello. See, the, the problem here, saints, is this, is the identity of the church and the body of the believers is under attack. And sometimes in modern day, in the modern churches of America, we've started to get like that. We're starting to accept certain things. We're compromising in areas where we don't need to compromise. We're allowing people to make the identity of the church when really when we think about it, Jesus was a savage. Jesus didn't play around. Jesus didn't allow sin. Jesus didn't care if he stepped on your toes. and He didn't say, I'm sorry. He said, I'm going to tell you the truth because I love you and love hurts. Come on now. Jesus wasn't no punk and you couldn't tell Jesus that hurt my feelings. Jesus was like, I don't care. I'm here to save you. I'm here to set you free. I'm here to do something in your life. Come on now. But see, sometimes even in modern-day church, we're starting to reject the Christ, the power of Christ, and Jesus himself. Right. Amen. Thank God not here. We believe in the power, and we know Jesus is the only way. Can I get an amen? amen. 
See, as sons and daughters, the enemy wants you to feel you should live a Christ-filled life by pleasing people. Hello, there's, there's, the, there's the mess up right there. First off, let it be made known, Jesus was a savage. To people in his day, he didn't even make, he didn't make everybody his buddy. Jesus didn't make a lot of people his buddy. Jesus said, I'm going to say some hurtful things. I'm going to get under your skin, and you probably want to kill me, but it's good for you. Like, amen, like Zachariah preached. Amen, I hope, I hope it offends you sometimes. Come on now. But you know what's crazy? You know, I got engaged. This is what's crazy. I looked on Facebook, Fleshbook, amen, 450 views, right? And see, and what happened is, what if I posted something tragic or even if I had a fight with her? You know, everybody's so in society, we want appraisal from men. And I ain't going to lie, it felt good to see 450 people view the engagement. It felt real good. I felt like, man, I know a lot of people, even though I don't know 450 people. Y'all are amazing, man. Y'all give me the, you give me the false hope, man. Yeah, yeah. I sit there, and I'm like, woo. And then, I, then it dawned on me. God talked God talk to me in this. He said, what if you posted a fight? With her, what if you were in an argument, or what if something happened tragic in your life and you posted it? How many people would still be there encouraging you? How many people would still be there telling you you're gonna make it, or congratulations, you didn't give up? Hello, I don't want the appreciation of man if you don't got my back. If I can post some on the negative and you're there saying, hey, man, you're going to get through it, I want you on my team because you can ride with me. You can help me go through the darkest valleys. And I promise you, I'll be right there beside you when you need me. You can lean on me. Come on now. But, hey, man, that's what happens. The church is now, and even the believers, we're starting to try to appease men and not honor our God. Or better yet, we're trying to find favor with men and lose favor with God. Sometimes we honor the wrong people. Hello. We honor people more than we honor God. Can I get an amen? amen. See, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, it reads like this. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Hello. See, in today's Christian cultures, many believers are worried about pleasing people rather than honoring our God. Their identity is no longer in the maker, but in other clay pots. You can get that on the way home. You can get that on the way home. Yeah. See, a lot of people in today's culture exchange their identity for prosperity, for happiness, and even the okey-doke, or better known as the feel-good moments. See, people like being a Christian. It's my favorite part now. This right here is my favorite part. I said, this right here is my favorite part. Yeah, one of the little bands. Uh. See, people, all right, y'all going to let, don't, don't, don't kill me now. See, people like being a Christian with benefits. It's like, it's, like the, it's like the world's way, except now it's God's way. You're using God. Come on now. You're, you like being a Christian with benefits. They like the blessing. They like the worship, the preaching, the lights, and the miracles. But they reject the Christ of the gospel. They reject the power to actually change them. They use the scripture to make them feel better, but they never have a true identity. A Christian with benefits. Hello. 
I like the lights. I like the preaching. I like the worship. Man, they played my favorite song on Sunday, Pastor. It was real good. I can use scripture to make me feel better when I'm low, but I don't have a true identity in Christ. I want to come back to feel the tingle, but I can't get the breakthrough because I don't know where my identity is. Come on. Told you that was my favorite part. See, my first point, if you'll put it up there, find where it lies. By the it, I mean your identity. Who do I allow to control me? What makes me me? Or what or who do I allow to mold me? Find where it lies. Find where your identity lies, church. See, our identity shifts when we value those who are looking at the art rather than the artist. Come on now. Our identity shifts when we value those who are looking at the art, rather the artist. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 through 4, it reads like this, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, come on, but wander, wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth, and will turn aside to miss. Whoo! I want to tell you there's two, there's two people, amen, that where your identity lies. One is a copycat. Hello. You can probably figure them out. Amen. It don't last long. It ain't, it ain't made with the right material. It's a copycat. Amen. Everything looks the same, feels the same, looks good, sounds good, feels real great, but it's not the real thing. I can give you a, amen, your happiness can only last a certain time with the copycat. Because you're going to have to increase it some way. Hello. That love you had for old girl or old boy, hello. You're going to have to increase it if it's a copycat. The joy that you had, the family that you wanted, uh, ooh we we'll stay away from there. But you got to understand the identity of the copycat will always leave you without your identity. It will make you feel, fill up your identity for a second, make you feel good, make you feel real nice. And then when it goes away, you're left broken the same way and you don't have an identity. But the other one is the real artist. Hello. I'm talking about the real one. He's got the right materials, the right paint, the right everything. He even labeled you as you were the grand masterpiece. Come on. He saw something that in you that nobody else could see. Everybody bypassed everybody, even the copycat, trying to make everything look real. But only the real artist could do everything right in your life. Come on. He supplied the desire. He supplied it all for you. He created you the way he made you for a purpose. And that purpose is found only in the artist. Put my second point up there. Accepting who you are. Amen. Turn with me, amen, to Romans chapter 8, verse 17. And the word of the Lord reads, And if children heirs also, heirs also, 
heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if we indeed suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Come on out. And if children, here's the key part, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Accepting who you are. See, this is what, I, I was reading a book, and it's called Daniel's Dilemma. And in the book, it says this, unless we are grounded in who God made us to be, the way we see ourselves will easily morph into an illusion and a cultural mirage. Hello. We see ourselves who we see ourselves. If we're not firmly grounded in God, we will morph into what culture says. Because our identity isn't grounded. It's like, amen, it's like the house, amen. What foundation do you have? Do you have the rock or do you have the sand? Where am I grounded? Because if your identity is grounded in Christ, you don't have to worry about it, you, your identity changing anytime with culture. You don't have to worry about society telling you what's right when it's actually wrong. See, your identity needs to be grounded. See, sometimes, saints, we overlook the fact that God knows every moment of our past sins and loves us as if he didn't. Hello. Accepting you who you are. That means in order to get your identity, first you must come to the realization, saints, that you are messed up. That even though we have it looking good on the surface, deep down inside, saints, there is a part of us that we know is jacked up. I'm even jacked up. It's hard to, all right, I know. But accepting who you are, see, this is what's, this is what's hard for, the, for Christians nowadays. Is we blame ourselves for our past, and we think that God doesn't want to redeem the past, so we block them. See, sometimes, saints, when you do that, you block the very blessing. See, he wants to redeem your past, but too often we get in the way because we refuse to let go of old, old labels. We refuse to let go of what the old way said, of what the old man told us, of what old people try to put on us. Hello. You got to understand is that, see, in the beginning, when God created you, he saw you as a perfect masterpiece. But when culture changed you, your identity became in the culture, and you forgot all about the Christ. See, but God wants to get to your breakthrough tonight. But you have to realize and accept who you are. We are all made mistakes, amen. Nobody is perfect except he who has risen from the dead. Can I get an amen? amen. You got to understand, you're never going to be perfect, but God wants to redeem your past. But in order for him to do that, you need to allow him to get rid of your old labels. See, here's some Old Testament examples of accepting. Amen. These are people that got a name change when they accepted and they didn't have control of their lives no more. See, this one's, this one's crazy. From Jacob to Israel. Hello. From schemer to liar to manipulator to God's chosen nation. From Abram, amen, the old Canaanite, the nomad, amen, to the blessed people, to everyone being blessed. The New Testament is greater, amen, I like this. It's Simeon, amen, who became Peter. Hello. And then our, my favorite, Saul, became Paul. See, I learned this. There were all, they were always supposed to have these names. Yeah, none of us knew that. They were always supposed to have these names. 
But it was not until they gave up trying to control their lives that they realized the fulfillment of who they were born to be. Sometimes you don't realize what your name is truly supposed to be until you allow, until you encounter God's love, until you encounter something inside of God, amen, that makes you want to encounter love, amen. I don't know about you, but sometimes we need to embrace God's love. Sometimes we need to get past the old religious way of God can't. I don't, I don't want God to see it and be like, man, i got to have this radical faith. Sometimes you just got to make it known to God that I want to go all the way with you. But see, it's a reckless love. You have to have a one-on-one -on -one collision with God. No pastor can force you to change. No pastor, no preacher, no worship song, no nothing can cause you to change. You have to have a one-on-one -on -one encounter with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what the world tried to label on you. It doesn't matter exactly who you think you are. What matters is what Christ thinks who you are. Because he is the master. He is the artist. He is the creator. Hello, we try to put God in human eyes when we really should see God through his. Hello, we put God in this big little box like, oh, he's human. I know him. When really, we don't understand him. It's called the mysteries of God for a reason. But see, that's one thing about all these people is that they all radically had to come to a point to where they had no choice and they encountered the love of God and they had to let go. Come on now. They had to let go. They had to understand that nothing in this life was more important than doing what God wanted. But see, they didn't realize, but it wasn't until they gave up control that they realized the fulfillment of who they were meant to be. Sometimes you gotta give control of your life. Sometimes you gotta let God have control of your family. Sometimes you gotta let God have control of your kids. Sometimes you gotta let God have control of your, uh, your spouse. Sometimes you just gotta let, have God control of your finances. Sometimes, come on saints, you gotta allow God in your area where you need God to protect. Sometimes you need God to move and God's like, all I need you to do is get out my way. Stop trying to control it. You can't control it. If we could control it, I promise you, we'd all be millionaires by now. Hello. If we could control it, we'd have all great kids right now. Come on. If we could control it, we'd have a clean house 24-7. My mom would agree to that one. Little heathens. That's what she would tell us. You little heathens. Can never keep a house clean. Every five seconds. That's what she would tell me. It's the kids. But see, you got to understand is that you got to give up control where you think you got it. You got to come to the realization that you don't have any control in your life. Take the wheel for a second. I want to see your life. I want to see what happens. Because you got to understand, even though on the outwards we can make it look good, even though we look like we can control it on the outwards, the inward self, you struggling. There's not a day goes by if you, have, if you even have siblings and they're teenagers, you know without a shadow of a doubt that having, I feel sorry for my parents. I do. Because you don't, you can't control them. You can do your best, but you can't control them. Unless you got a belt. And then they listen because you start threatening. But see, God don't do that. But God doesn't see you what you God doesn't see what you are based on where you are. 
He sees what you can become based on where he takes you. See, you got to understand that's got to be your mentality. Just because where you are, that, that's not where God sees you. God sees you where he can take you. But if you're driving past, if you're driving the driver, hello, if you're driving, you can only go so far. Your gas going to run out. We used to sing a song, and man, the pastor's car can only get you so far, but it can't get you to heaven. I can't get to heaven in the pastor's car. Why? Because the pastor's car don't go that far. I can't drive myself to heaven. I can't even drive myself to a breakthrough because my car don't even go that far. It won't even make it a mile down the road without breaking down. That's a real life, man. That's real. See, in 2 Corinthians 3.15, 2 Corinthians 3.15. It reads like this. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. Go next verse. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Next verse. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, or there is freedom. See, do you not realize that you have been marked for a reason? Do you not realize that the man inside of you is everything? See, your identity is in man because if it was in man, hey man, you're jacked up. Because man will let you down, people will hurt you, and even we can lie to each other and still make us feel the same way. It's like living in an abusive, abusive relationship with the devil. Hello. He'll tell you what you want to hear. And he'll leave you broken and disgusted and broke-hearted all the way out. But do you not realize the God inside of you is trying to make you known that you are a masterpiece? See, saints, the, the identity crisis here is that we have left the first love or we have never really encountered God in the way he wants us to be encountered. Come on. Sometimes the reason why you can't get a breakthrough and sometimes even when we can't even hear God is because we're not looking to hear. We're not looking to hit the collision. Sometimes we're afraid of what God's going to do. Put my third point up. Continue to chase God. This is the identity crisis, right? The first thing, you know, was the... You know, who, who do you allow to control you? you no, know, find where it lies. Then accept who you are. But the third is to continue to chase God. See, this is what I want you to understand, church, is that this is where we have to allow God to keep pouring into us and not stop when we feel somewhat better. Amen. If you can imagine for a second having a pitcher of water And I have some ping pong balls right here, and they're in a jar. And what would happen is that I would start filling up, and some would, eventually the water would get so high where some start falling off. And that's some of your identities. That's some of the things you've been labeled in the past. Come on now. And what happens is, is that when we start chasing God and we start filling up on God, it gets so full that we have to stop because... It's the jug's empty. We got to wait for the refill, the another pour. So we can go, we, we can imagine it's our birthday. I can live any kind of way, but thank you, Jesus. 
We can go back and forth and back and forth with our identities, but really what that is, saints, is it's lukewarmness. We're not allowing God to control us fully. We're allowing God to control us halfway. So the enemy can come in and say what he wants about us and we'll just accept it. But I'll say thank you, Jesus, on Sunday. I can go to the club on Saturday, but I can go to church on Sunday and say thank you, Jesus. I can be told a lie, but I can still look people and smile at people and say, I'm good. I'm fine. There's nothing wrong. See, saints, but this is where we have to continue. When you start praying, when you start reading your Bible more, and even when you just start doing things for Jesus, amen, this is what's crazy I found out. When you fall under the authority of God, like Jesus did, amen, he became a Nazareth to fulfill the law of God. But not only that, he was allowing the authority of his life, amen, God, to have his way. I mean, so many like us, we need to understand this crucial thing from Nazareth is that Nazareth was always important. It never was the label. It was, was who was behind the label. You got to understand is that Jesus never let Nazareth define him. He let his father define him. Hello. But see, this is where it gets crazy that when you chase after God and when you continually to read, when you continually pray, you start allowing God to fill you up so much that all the identities are gone. And this is my favorite. This is one of the coolest things I learned is that if I was to put a lie on you or another ping pong ball on top of the water, it couldn't go down. It couldn't sink in because God has already filled up the space. Because your identity has been filled. I don't need a lie. I don't need something to give me false hope, to give me false peace, to give me all these things. I don't need that no more. Why? Because I have a God inside of me that who is my identity. But the reason why I put this up to continue to chase God is because if you don't chase God, you never know that he was your identity all along. Your identity is not you. Stop thinking it's you because it's not. Hello. We think, oh, my identity is this is who I am. But really, check this out, saints. When you are saved and when you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. Amen. But what you don't realize is when you continue to chase God, your former self, you, the you you know, starts to dissipate and the real identity comes out and it's God's. It's Jesus. Come on now. You got to understand, your identity starts to melt away when you start to chase God. Why? Because your identity is no longer in yourself and by what people describe you as. It's in the God who, who you love and he defines you. Come on now. Where's your team if you can come on up? You got to understand this, saints, is that when you continue to chase God, all the insecurities, everything that you've been dealing with in your past can't come back. It can come back and it can, it can try to get you. But the greatest thing is, is that God will not, never allow it to stick to you. It won't be able to hurt you. It won't be able to persuade you. And it won't make you go do the same things you used to do. Why? Because my identity is not in man, it's not in the relationship, it's not in the money, it's not in the family, even though family's important, amen? 
It's not in any of these things, but it's in God. People, you may be here tonight and say, well, I already know that. I already know my identity, but I don't know my purpose. Saints, let me tell you an open secret. It's an oxymoron. Your purpose is your identity in action. Hello. So if you say you know your identity, but you have no purpose, then the problem lies with the action. Because why? When, like I said before, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. If you have rooted, connected to the cornerstone, if he is your rock, he gave you your purpose because it's him. Hello? Your purpose is not yours. It's him inside of you's purpose. See, some of you tonight, amen, need to understand this, is that the identity crisis isn't permanent. The identity crisis can be stopped. Who you were and who people try to tell you are now is not what God sees. We try to root ourselves to what people compliment us by or what we do or what we say or what we wear or even our job. But it won't last. It gets uprooted. But when your roots are connected to the cornerstone, when you build your foundation, or better yet, when you build your identity on the rock, his purpose is revealed in you. Because it's no longer I who live, saints, but it's Christ who lives in me. You got to understand that scripture. He's not saying that Jesus, I'm becoming Jesus. I'm the outward side of me is becoming Jesus. You can see Jesus. He's saying, no, everything that Christ was doing when he was alive is still alive inside of me. And I got a purpose to fulfill it. I got to tell people about him. I got to do something because that's my purpose. Saints. That's your identity. Your identity is no longer in you. It was never in you. You could think, oh, well, as long as I believe in the pastor. Sometimes the pastor's wrong. Sometimes the associate. Even sometimes our worship's wrong. But we, our identity isn't in that. The pastor's identity isn't in the church. It's not even in himself. It's in Christ. The people in the body, their, their same identity, it's not theirs. It's his, which means his purpose is your purpose. And he gave it to us. Go to Matthew 28, 19. The Great Commission. Pastor preached on this on Monday night. If you missed it, it was a good class. Yeah, I paid attention for once. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Those are 20. Teaching them to deserve all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Saints, can we all stand? See, saints, we have an identity crisis in the church. We can't fulfill what God has for us if we don't understand who we are. 
So he says, you're a city on a hill, a light in the darkness. But without your identity in Christ, you remain a person without power. You remain a person in bondage. You're a person without no purpose. And without purpose or without vision, men perish. Saints, there's a sweet spirit in here. But God's trying to draw you out. Some of us have, strong, have struggled long enough with who we are and who, what defines us. Saints, I'm here to tell you that you're in a spiritual crisis. Your identity is in, Christ, in critical need. Some of you need to encounter God tonight. Some of you need to give it all back to God. Some of you need to make amends with God. And better yet, some of us need to fall in love with God. Some of us need to actually go back to the love we first had. Some of us need to go back, saints, to find out what our real name means. What our real purpose is. But saints, it's not about you. It was never about you from the beginning. It was really about the person being inside of you. And you want a breakthrough, but your identity is not in the one that supplies it in you. The breakthrough's in you. You just need to find the person. And once you find the person and let him inside, and, that's, and he becomes your identity, your breakthroughs are more acceptable because you're not having to fight for it a lot of time. You're not having to sit there and like cry out all night because the breakthrough is the one living inside of you. The peace that you've been waiting for has been inside of you this whole time. The love that you wanted, sister and brother, it's been inside of you this whole time. The hope you wanted has been inside of you the whole time. You just never saw him. You just never accepted the identity he has. saints you need to understand is that your identity is in Christ that may sound cliche but it's not everything you wanted in life everything that you needed God to do it's been inside of you but your identity twisted it to where you couldn't see it your breakthrough has been around the corner for a long time but your identity didn't let you see it because you had the wrong identity leading you you had the wrong artist in your paintbrush. You let the wrong artist control you. It's time to let the real master work. It's time to allow the original maker to work in you. So Father, we thank you tonight, God, for everything you're doing. Father, we pray, God, that you just release peace. You release hope. You release a breakthrough tonight, God. But Father, we need your Holy Spirit here, God, just to saturate this place. Meet the needs of your people, God, your children, God. As we cry out, God, you are Abba Father. You are the way maker. You are the truth and you are the life, God. Father, we cry out to you, God. We cry out, Father. Abba, we need you in our lives. Be the captain, God. Be the, be the driver. Guide us through every storm. Guide us, God. Be our identity tonight. Lord, we pray in your son's name.
child of God, go ahead and give him a shout of praise in this place. Come on, put your hands together if you are a child of God. Amen. Come on, look to your neighbor and ask him, do you know who you are? Identity. We're about to pray out to be dismissed. I hope you enjoyed worshiping with us tonight here at Victory Life and Ben Wheeler. God bless you. God bless you, everyone. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and hug a couple people and tell them Jesus loves them. They, they may not have heard that all week. Go ahead and tell them Jesus loves them. Believe it or not, Jesus does love you, brother. Nobody else might love you, but Jesus loves you. Amen. Amen. All right. As we return to our seats, we're going to pray to be dismissed. Brother Adam, will you pray us out tonight, please?
dark.